What monumental TV show premieres November 29th only on The Hub? Hub. Transversing galaxies, changing form, and becoming our defenders. Proud guardians throughout time. www.hubworld.com backslash prime. Welcome, dear listener, to our podcast, Jeff and Rick present Unpacking the Power of Power Pack. Where we journey through each issue of comics that include a member of the most underrated Marvel series from the 80s while drinking beer. Analyzing awesome and amazing adjacent adolescent adventures and absorbing alcohol. I am Jeff. And I am Rick. Speak softly and carry a random banter refers to Theodore Roosevelt's foreign policy, so... Random banter time, buddy. Talk to me, tell me tall tales and tantalizing tidbits of trivia today. I think you pulled that quote because we got some uh, diplomacy, or lack thereof, occurring in this book. Mm-hmm. But do you know what that diplomacy was called when referencing Theodore Roosevelt's? Oh, dear, I used to know it. What was it? Give you a hint. It has diplomacy in it. It's three yeah. words, diplomacy. Yeah, I know. I, blank, blank diplomacy. I know. I, I, that is what I can remember of it. I know it's something, something diplomacy. I just don't remember. Big, blank diplomacy. Big stick? Mm-hmm. You got okay. it. Okay. <laughs> We got some big stick diplomacy going on with this one. We do, we do, we do. Okay, in thinking about this book, and in thinking about just a lot of the Hickman run, I actually have spent some time finally reading some books. And I don't know if I mentioned this before on one of our shows, but I am finally reading Douglas Woke's All the Marvels book. And I've had it for a while. I pre-ordered it when it was coming out. Douglas Woke is a Oregonian. He lives here in Portland. And he wrote a book about his experience in reading all of the Marvel comic books. And what it is, is it's a real kind of breakdown of talking about some of the big overarching arcs and things that are occurring. And just kind of how Marvel Comics is a fantastic exercise because it, it deals with one story. One complete story that's just been told over time that started back in the early 60s and has gone on till now and will keep going on. Whereas DC has reset their universe, Marvel has been going strong. It's been going with one story. And it's very a very good book. It's very interesting. It's interesting because as I'm reading it, he actually says, you really don't need to do what we're doing in trying to make sense of the story. You just enjoy the story because part of it is this very elongated out timeline, whereas 40, 50, 60 years has only turned out to be about 14 years. And some of the problem areas where they've had to do this stretched out time are because of people like Glenn Richards, other kids in the Marvel Universe. Stories have consequences. People change. Individuals grow older. And it's a very interesting book. I'm really enjoying it. I just recently got to the chapter where he's talking about Hickman, but Hickman after what we're talking about with Fantastic Four, it's more of what he goes on to with his next phase where he gets into Avengers. But a lot of things that Hickman's setting up for that next run are actually getting set up in the stories we're running now. So it's kind of nice to have some additional context into what we are doing as a whole, especially with our little fun thing of just tracing certain characters through, <laughs> but also looking and seeing how the story is added on to by people like Hickman and doing the things he's doing in Fantastic Four, where he is continuing on the one of the great stories that started all of Marvel Comics. That's actually really cool. I've heard about that book several times. It just keeps on kind of 
pop, pop, popping in the zeitgeist kind of thing for me. And I'm like, I should check that out. That sounds really cool. So how far into it are you? I am on chapter 18. Now, don't ask me how many chapters are in it, but I've got probably that much of that much of the book yet, which is a visual reference that is not going to really translate outside of this meeting. <laughs> okay. So it sounds like you got about a quarter of the book left, maybe a fifth. <laughs> I think I'm probably less than a quarter of the book, I would say. <laughs> <laughs> That sounds cool. I have been up to the never-ending home remodel project. It will not die. Here's an example of what we've been doing. We're getting a bedroom door replaced from a hollow core to a solid core door. One of the contractors is doing stuff for us. We've had this door in the garage for months. And I'm going to install this door. This is what I'm going to work on today. Finds us and he's like, how does your bedroom door go? Where does it swing? Where does it go to? We're like, oh, well, it opens into the room and it opens into the closet wall. And he's like, yeah, they hung this on the other side. So this is going to open up into the room, which you probably don't want. We're like, no, we don't want that. He's like, okay, I'll call my boss. So they call the boss and the boss comes over and looks at everything and everything, the site manager. And he goes, I wish we caught this when we, when we brought it in because now they're going to have to take it away and not come in for another week and a half while they redo stuff to the door to get it fixed. Okay. So they take the door away. They hung it on the right side. Awesome. They brought the door back. Yes. They had to have another person come. So they helped it up. They brought it into the room. Yes. They set it against the wall. Yes. Going to work on stuff. So our guy's doing stuff. He's doing things. Then he's like, then he comes and finds this. And he's like, uh, hmm. Hey, the door's too big. Yeah. The door's too big for the opening. It doesn't fit. I'll call my boss. <laughs> so... It's the remodel that won't die. We've got a uh, a bedroom door that won't fit our bedroom. Looking at it, we're like, well, maybe we can use that on another door somewhere. That'd be great. Yeah, maybe we can use that. Oh, hey. Have you just thought about maybe blowing up the house and just starting over? Hey, I have said this before. My advice for people, if you ever want to do anything with your house, if anything ever wrong happens, just move. A light bulb burns out. <laughs> just abandon the place. Find somewhere new to live. It's just easier that way. In the meantime, we just have unfinished an opening in a wall to get in and out of the bedroom, which is fine because, you know, normally we don't need to close the bedroom door or anything, but it's just, it's a remodel that won't die. You know what? Here's my advice to you. Hang a curtain. Okay, let's go ahead and move on to this episode. Jeff, give us a two cents replay from last episode. Reed's new Future Foundation think tank has created a formula which has allowed the thing to regain his normal human form for a week a year. So he took it. Concurrently, the Fantastic Four has discovered a series of lost civilizations, including the tribes of old Atlantis. So Sue has set out with the abs of Abslantis to parlay with their leadership. Now that the Galactus has also showed up on Earth to ask Reed why there is a dead him buried in Reed's backyard. Two sentence replay is over. Why don't you give me a beer and tell us what our power pack pick is? There are times when I come up with really good ideas. There are other times where I just really want to have a beer. And I find a way to shoehorn it into the story. <laughs> so that's what we got here today, folks. It does fit. It does fit. There is one tiny place where this fits in at. And I'll let Jeff figure it out. Not even a my pleasure, my friend, which is something that I absolutely love when you say it. This is just a sometimes I have good ideas. Other times I don't. Today is one of those days. So let's see what Rick's not good idea is. It is... This is Peanut Butter Chocolate Milk Stout <laughs> by Lost Coast Brewery. Huh, it has a cartoon cow in front of a chocolate bar and some peanuts. 
Come peanut butter chocolate milk stout. Uh, this is almost a blink and you'll miss it scene. I know when the scroll encounter the Fantastic nope. Four, the Fantastic nope. Four tricked them into becoming a cow. Into no, cows. no, no. This is this is in this book. This is in this book. Chocolate milk. There's. Do you, want, do you just want me to give you it here? Just tell. I am not going to get it right now. Nah. There's one scene where Johnny and Ben have a moment where they sit and Johnny makes Ben some sandwiches. Yes. Peanut butter sandwich. It was a peanut butter. No, he because really because no, there was a it wasn't. He, it wasn't a peanut butter sandwich, but no, he made him a sandwich, and I said, you know what other sandwiches there are? There are peanut butter sandwiches. Yeah, and you could use Nutella. That'd be the chocolate. However, I don't think uh, when Johnny was asking Ben, it's like you take mayonnaise on yours, right? And Ben's all, Ugh, you can put never. mayonnaise on a peanut butter sandwich. You it's should not taste good. I, yeah, again, I'm not going to judge. Everybody's got their own thing. You do what does you right. It's not for everybody. That is not for me. And Ben agrees. Uh, <laughs> Peanut butter chocolate milk stout by Lost Coast Brewery. ABV is 5.6. A smooth and creamy midnight black stout like the kind that you would have at midnight. Deep, rich sweetness with layers of coffee, caramel, toffee, prunes, raisins, and roasted peanuts. Those are some good snacks that you can have with your buddy at night before bed. An easy-drinking dark beer brewed with lactose, giving a full mouthfeel and upfront sweetness. Balanced and approachable, like two guys having sandwiches at night. For both casual fans of stouts and aficionados who like eating sandwiches. Smells really good. Smells super chocolate milky. Yes, it does. Man, that smells like chocolate milk. (laughs) That simply really smells like to have chocolate this milk. Peanut butter, chocolate milk. Oh yeah, I don't. I don't get you. I don't blame you. I want this. This has the old Quick logo basically going on it. I want this in my mouth, and oh, it smells good. I'm just smelling the empty bottle. That's where the all the aromas are, and it's just, it smells like chocolate milk. We have peanut butter. We have chocolate milk. We have a dark, dark stout, and this tastes like a peanut butter chocolate beer. Yes, yes, yes. I'm drinking. Chocolate milk. I'm glad you're getting the peanut butter. I'm getting chocolate milk. Oh, I'm getting the peanut butter. The peanut butter is, is wafting in the, kind of the background there. It's it's kind mm, of like mm-hmm. the smell of it. Okay. Yeah, I'm kind, I'm getting that a little bit. I'm kind of probably forcing myself. It is very much chocolate milk with a little bit of those beer tingles. Yeah. It's like, it, this is weird. Imagine a carbonated chocolate milk. Can you imagine that? You got it. This is what it is. With alcohol. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> boozify that thing (laughs) get some sprite get some vodka get some chocolate milk swirl it up cool it off drink it up there you are i'm making it fit into this comic book okay (laughs) you shoehorned this with such a plomb i i the beer is fantastic i'm not gonna blame i'm not gonna be like oh rick no it's great i love it Fine. Whatever whatever got us to the path of drinking this, I'm happy about it. Just kind of close your eyes a little bit and imagine that they're having, instead of whatever meat sandwich they're having, they're having peanut butter sandwiches and we're in. We're in like Flynn. Yeah, I can imagine the kids having a maybe eaten some peanuts and drank some chocolate milk while they were listening to Ben's story about him getting punched in the face. <laughs> well, Spoilers. let's talk about this book. <laughs> let's explain this book a bit. And the only way we can do it is if you give us the opening credits. Fantastic Four, issue number 585, January 2011. The Kings of Atlantis. Writer, Jonathan Hickman. Artist, Steve Epting. Letterer, Russ Wooten. Colorist, Paul Mounts. Editor, Tom Brevoort. 
Editor-in-Chief, Joe Casada, Featuring the Fantastic Four, Mr. Fantastic, Invisible Woman, Human Torch, and The Thing, and guest starring The Future Foundation, Alex Power, Val, 32, Artie, Dragon Man, Tong, Turgor, McVille, Wu, and Frank. Can we talk about Awkward? Sure. Is this where you finally open up about your Angora fetish to the world? First, I hate you for telling people that. And second, no. What I wanted to talk about was that special moment between friends when the quiet guy had a good night and the outgoing guy is mentally smugly high-fiving the quiet guy. Ah, yes. That has only ever compounded when the quiet guy had a good night with a lady that once had been copied by a scroll, and that scroll married the outgoing guy, causing the quiet guy to be jealous and angry for many, many years. Ah, comics, folks. Comics. But this awkward moment is cut short when Johnny and Ben notice Galactus hovering next to their building. That ain't right. So Johnny flies up while the still-human Ben Grimm looks on. Ben Grimm also goes and parks the car. But in the sky, Galactus is giving Reed the You got some splainin' the do Lucy line. Apparently, discovering a decomposing corpse of a future version of yourself makes a world eater a little bit testy. Maybe he needs a Snickers. I mean, geez, you would think they would be used to these kinds of things by now. I mean, we even said it before, comics, Galactus, comics. Long story short, a future Earth was dying and they used an extreme measure to move a billion people back to the past. And hey, what better power source than a size G battery? Galactus is not amused. This killed the future variant of himself. Hey, omelet, eggshells, it's in the past, baby. But, you know, whatevs. Reed buried the body to be respectful, not deceptive. If that helps matters at all. Hey. If you're going to split hairs with a powerful world-eating being, this is how you do it. The intergalactic planetary duo seem to accept all of this, but they want to chat with these people from the future. Reed says that they are out in space, so the Silver Surfer gives space the stellar stare and sightlines the Supreme Siphoner's spot and gives the address of the artificial Earth to Galactus. Then Johnny shows up. Oh, goody. This thinking man's somber centurion is sure to placate the situation. Actually, this time the Human Torch checks in with Reed before attacking. But he, like everyone else in the general vicinity of Earth, is on edge. For what it's worth, Galactus tells him to take a chill pill. The Earth is not in danger from him. (laughs) At the moment. I really hate it when he does the passive-aggressive threats. Even better, Galactus needs a traveling partner, and Reed has won the involuntary golden ticket. Yay? Yay, indeed. Reed informs Johnny that he and Ben are in charge of the kids since Susan is out of town, and Johnny gives Reed a brief update that Ben is human and having a ball. Reed seems a lot surprised, and maybe a little disappointed that this formula worked. And with that happy moment gone, Reed, Galactus, and the Silver Surfer go on a magic carpet ride. Meanwhile in the ocean... Home of the Fighting Fish! Uh, some of which have swords and hammers for heads. Susan Storm is playing diplomat between Namor and the New Atlantis, and the rulers of the old Atlantis. We kind of glossed over this when Sue went to get V and Wu from Ulahar. A hidden underwater city had been discovered, and a race of ancient Atlanteans claimed they were the rightful rulers of Atlantis. Oh, and they made Sue Richards their voice and ambassador. So now she's trying to broker peace between this lost underwater legion and Namor, the not-so-calmest guy in the room. Also present is Andromeda, an Atlantean military leader. They are discussing the rules of diplomacy on how the meeting between the Atlanteans will work. Because the old Atlanteans are composed of three races that work together, they will all three be represented while New Atlantis will only have one rep. Hey, that's not fair! True, but meh. The bottom line, which Namor can see, is that Sue wants peace. She wants tranquility. 
She wants birds and bees. Uh, in the ocean. Yeah, but this is Namor, the guy who loses his temper at rotating doors. A man whom I have personally seen scream at an elementary school crossing guard. I really do not see how he would be willing to accept peace when his fists still work. Oh yeah, this is normally true. But remember, he wants to make Sue happy, so he agrees to these conditions. Oh, Okay. Then he sends Andromeda out of the room. Okay. Sue and Namor have a moment, and Namor admits that Andromeda is still trying to protect Namor, and make sure he's doing the best for his people. So Andromeda is trying to control Namor. (laughs) True that. Sue, ever the diplomat, is trying to do the best for all of the underwater people. Meanwhile in space... Home of the fighting... Have you ever gone on a long trip with someone who excels at passive-aggressive behavior and is really angry at you? Well, Reed should be used to this. He is really an expert at really making people really angry with him. And Galactus holds grudges. They have made it to Tatu, Galactus's solar front property. Now they're just waiting for the surfer to return with some other people. But in the meantime, Galactus is playing with Reed seeing if he can put some puzzle pieces together. Galactus is acting a little bit different than he usually does. Normally, he takes his time, enjoys a nice cup of tea before destroying a planet or flying off. But he has seemed really anxious to get off Earth. Oh yeah, that's because he's scared of Franklin Richards. Say what? Oh yeah, uh, Galactus knows that Franklin's powers are back online, and he wants to have a chat with Reed about that while being a far distance from Franklin. Speaking of which, let's check in on the Future Foundation. It is the obligatory story time before bed, and tonight Ben Grimm, still in human shape, is retelling a story of a fight he was in. Well, that narrows it down. There was an android, and it hit him in the face. Seriously, we really need a detailed Excel sheet, because that does not help at all. Johnny ties off the story, saying that Sue and Reed were able to turn the android off, and they defeated the Mad Thinker, thanks to one of those power switches that turns your electronics on and off automatically when you are out of town. Ben does ask what the moral of the story is to the kids, and we get a variety of theories and comments on what the villain did right and wrong, and how to improve their methods... And a comment from Bentley that the thinker is dumb and has haliotosis. And on that note, get to bed, kids. It's time for Man Talk with Ben and Johnny. While Johnny makes them both some sandwiches, which could or could not be peanut butter, they talk about having kids. Not together, just in general. Johnny does want kids, and Ben has tried not to think about it due to his long-term skin condition. But now they are babysitting for a few days, it does get the mind wheels a chance to spin. Meanwhile, at a gathering of a cult... Home of the fighting... What? We have a bald man with a no-entry tattoo on his forehead. That mark is also on the big banner behind him, and he is preaching some crazy talk about how we can all live forever. Ah, the Church of the Highlander. I like it. There can be only one! But I don't think so. Because he does go backstage, and his skin starts peeling away, and it reveals a big bug body. There are other beings there like him, and they start talking to a floating holographic projection of Annihilus. I mean, what's happening? Well, apparently the second grade Annihilation Wave is going to start at the Baxter Building in T-minus real soon. Well, isn't that just great? I mean, what else can possibly go wrong? Um, hmm. Do you remember that meeting of the Atlantean Kings? Oh boy, now this is pod racing. Trade negotiations are the best part of any storyline. Just ask George Lucas. 
This should be fun. Negotiations have begun, and it appears the old kings are asking for more than Andromeda is willing to share. You would think that 70% of the Earth would be enough room for these guys. Come on! Now is the moment. Namor looks at Sue, and Sue looks at him. There's an understanding. This is how he could win Sue over to him for all time. She knows what he wants, and he knows how to get what he wants. And all through the use of diplomacy. So Namor finally steps up and lays down the law. You see, these old kings have been tucked away for eons, and the world has evolved. Oh, and one more thing. Uh, what's that? This is Namor! And he does not compromise, settle, share, or step down. He has fought for his kingdom and his title every watery day of his life. People do tend to forget that. Oh, and he has had enough of this flapping of these old guys' fish lips. So he throws his trident of leadership at one of the kings and kicks down another and screams, This is Atlantis! Then pulls out the multi-pronged spear and skewers the king again for good luck. Ouchies! He then announces, just to make sure that everyone understands that there is only one king under the sea. Imperious Rex. Imperious Rex, indeed. Hey, Rick, I thought he was going to use diplomacy. Violence is a type of diplomacy. Look it up. I mean, it is. It really is. I need to take a moment to come down off that high. Yeah, you got to get off your Atlantean high. I mean, I just kind of kept going and going and going, and there I was. I understand what Namor feels like. Namor is always cresting. He is always (laughs) cresting. He is going to crash down at any moment, but he just keeps cresting. It's just like, like oh, that's like I'd like you to stop saying cresting because I want to remind you this is a family show. Yeah, well, it is. (laughs) It is the fact that you're like. Wow, that is the angriest wave I have ever seen. Wait, it's more angry. Now it's the angriest wave I've ever seen. It's angrier yet. And that's speaking Namor. of cresting, and speaking of Namor, let's talk about the cover credits. Family-friendly cresting, yeah. man. And let's talk about the cover of this issue. Now, we have three covers. We have one and a couple of variants. The one I've got is the first one, and that is kind of a green background, soft green, you think under the sea. Yeah, it's underwater. It's got that classic kind of underwater look with the shafts of life coming through the opaque water. And we've got Namor there standing and looking like a watery god that he is. He's got that trident point down in the ground. He's just holding it there. And there is Sue Richards kneeling on the ground with one arm around his legs, looking forward kind of at the camera. And he's got one arm just down on her shoulder. This is a very intimate pose that we just don't really see Sue Richards in with Namor, but this is this is Namor's dream, right? Yeah. This is his fantasy. This is more than his jam. It is his jelly. Yeah, this is Frank Fazetta. This is a Boris Vallejo-inspired piece of art where you get the man of might and muscle with the very pretty female persuasion character wrapped around his leg. Being less than a person and more of a set piece, This is yeah. a, this is a piece of furniture that clings to you but this is alan davis inked by mark farmer the other two covers are part of the ongoing tapestries that are leading up into this final issue causality one and the second one here is the middle piece of this and we've got the thing and we've got kind of an r and an e and al between it's once again part of that blue one here the the three causality picture that you put all the pieces, all the different covers together. Yeah. For those who don't like spelling, it says Fantastic Four real too. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And then the last one is, uh, and that one's by Steve Epting. And the last one is the kind of bigger picture. I guess it's the Fantastic Four symbol that's all cracked and broken. We got Johnny 
going up there and says flame. I didn't write down who did that one. I think this is pretty easy. I mean, the other two are part of bigger pictures, so they're not as impressive. I do like the main cover. I think Alan Davis and Mark Farmer, it's... It very much is the ending of this book. It's this trade negotiations. It's Namor laying down the line. Like, this is who I am. Who do you people think you are? It is great. It's The other two look neat. It's a great kind of briquette-looking torch head on the flame issue cover. Ben Grimm, you can't go wrong drawing him. It always looks great. The primary cover is awesome. Yeah. It is a fallacy, but it does show that uh, Sue and Namor are together under the sea. Yeah. Past that, this might be tinted by some daydream night dreams from uh, the abs of Atlantis. Like I said, this is how Namor sees himself. He is the hero in every story he's in. And it's just time before Sue is at his feet. Yep. Speaking of which, Namor in peace talks. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, everybody take your moment. Just laugh about that (laughs) because. Yeah. So we have the storyline so far, again, is we have this race of old Atlanteans, these three different, actually, it's three different races who live together into society of old Atlanteans, I guess is what we should call it. And they have been discovered. They have been separated off from everybody else in the ocean. They were out in, under the ice up in the north, I think it was. And they were discovered. They have lived for eons and eons and eons. And they've come forward and they said, well, we just want to pick back up where we were. We're the ones in charge. And Namor, who has fought and fought and fought for his kingdom under the sea. He is the king of Atlantis. He's got to go and talk to these people. Mm-hmm. And he's got to come up with some negotiation. His negotiation is, nope. Yeah, that's what he ends up being. I mean, and Andromeda is kind of saying this. So why are we going through this? Why are we going through this? And Namor does know enough. He's like, we have to make a show of it. Mm-hmm. I want to hear what they say. And I will go in and I will play the part to the point. And then I'm going to show them this is my world. Yeah. Your world is millions of years in the past. This is my world now. You don't know anything. You know nothing. I'm the king here. I mean, yep. That's what he does. <laughs> I mean, it's true. He's just like, I'm going to play nice for Sue right up to the point where I'm like, nope, you can just step in line, you cavemen. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, he <laughs> he Ash Williams, it's pretty good, where he's like, listen up, you primitive screwheads. <laughs> the only issue, of course, here is, is that he is outnumbered. He is Namor, but he is outnumbered. He is yes. on their turf. He only has his guard with him, and they've got triple his guard. Yes, because everyone, every, all of the diplomats or kings got to bring 12 guard. Right. And Andromeda was like, no, that's that we can't have that. They're going to outnumber us three to one. Because there's three different societies there, so they have 36 guards to the Atlanteans 12. Well, Namor's just taken out two, and that's their leader heads, and so it's gonna, yeah. Yeah, things are gonna go downhill here. Mm-hmm. Plus, Sue is here. She is the one yep. who is the diplomat. She's supposed to keep peace. This is not what she expected. Things are gonna go pear-shaped, or things have gone pear-shaped real quick here. So it is a great cliffhanger to end with it this is. story. But then we have a couple of other things going on. Let's talk about Reed. Reed is dealing with Galactus, which is <laughs> always good. <laughs> yes. Because when Galactus calls, you don't ghost him. You pick up that phone. <laughs> Let's talk kind of bigger picture, and then we'll go back to this Galactus. We have three kind of stories lines going on here. We've got Namor, we've got Galactus, and we've got this Annihilus thing that's going on in the background. We know that Nihilus is in the, the negative zone, that there's some rumblings going on there. So 
These are all old school Fantastic Four threats. These are things that the Fantastic has faced over and over and over again. It's kind of like how I was saying at the beginning of this episode, reading that book and like thinking about how this is all one long storyline and how there's a lot of what goes on with retelling old stories, especially with a lot of the longer series. Fantastic Four is a bit of a retelling of stories over and over again. It's trying to figure out how can we make things different? What can we do differently with the stories that we all know and have heard before? And this is another one. Galactus is here now, but it's not just Galactus showing up the first time and everyone going, what is this? Okay, we've dealt with Galactus before. We know how to talk to him. There is some trust, but it still is a god to mortal men. So re-dealing with Galactus is still always going to be compelling at some levels. Mm -hmm. Well, especially when it's a Galactus who's here to, he's like, yeah, I'm not here to eat your planet. We've got to talk. And on the primary... But that's, that's yeah. always the threat. But yeah, because it is. Because he's not... Uh, you know, he's telling Johnny. He's like, Johnny Storm, you don't need to worry. I'm not here to eat your planet right now. Yet. Yeah. yeah it's, <laughs> it's the yet. It's like, oh, no, you don't have to shy back every time I move my hand. I'm not going to hit you. Today. Yet. Yeah, it's... it's <laughs> there's a lot of iron in that glove. And you're, you're going to shy away from it. And yeah, because he eats planets. Yeah civilizations planets whatever he just eats them and so yeah it's like i eat an ice cream cone but i'm gonna talk to galactus who eats the world that my ice cream came from well that's spooky so yeah reed is gonna be trepidatious because reed's basic fallback is to go like i'll use the ultimate nullifier which will just void this space and you in it <sighs> which kind of does the same thing as just letting you eat the planet but then you get a tummy ache and die so uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah we've got that going on and there's bigger issues with this too he wants to go and see this planet that we've seen hints of of this planet where there's these billions of people that were there and he wants reed to come with him but then there's also oh by the way your son has his powers again did you know you need to deal with that because that's a problem because <laughs> franklin has reality galactic reality bending powers so why is galactus um up in arms or worried about Franklin having uh, these galaxy changing powers. There's a lot of reasons. There is a lot of myth, a lot of lore about what Franklin's role in the future of the Marvel universe could be. There was a very cool book that came out a while ago. It was the history of the Marvel universe. And it's kind of a retelling conceptually of what I was talking about, of like thinking about all of the Marvel comics that have been out, tying them all together in one long storyline. But the conceit of that book is, I think it's Galactus telling a story to an older Franklin as Galactus is dying and the universe is ending. And Galactus is going to die and turn the key on this universe because he was the only thing that came over from the last universe into this one. And he is going to be dying and pushing Franklin out of this universe so Franklin can start the next universe. Mm, okay. That, of course, is one take on it all, but that gives you an understanding of the level of power that Franklin has. And it's something I know that Hickman's going to explore further going on with this tale that he's kind of starting here and how the Fantastic Four is going to go on. So there is genuine fear on Galactus aside, Galactus has had dealings with Franklin in the past, and he knows the power level that this small child has. See, I was thinking it was going to be something along the lines of Galactus going, you got to get your kid in check, because I, I, 
I make heralds. I have heralds. I'm not a herald to a kid. I don't want to be a herald. That's not right. No, I don't want that. Please read it. I don't want to be your kid's herald. That's more along the lines of what I was thinking it might be about. <laughs> Yours is much more dramatic. Thank you. I, I try to be dramatic. And I could be wrong on all this, too. And then, of course, we have some more seeds of what's going to go on with Annihilus. We've got this bug guy. He's he's starting a cult of people to follow him, and he is full of bugs. This goes back to a prior issue where Johnny went out, got a girl, took her back to the Baxter building, and as he's there with the girl, she all of a sudden, her body breaks apart, and it's full of bugs, and the bugs get into the negative zone, and they start the invasion of the negative zone to free Annihilus. And that's going on over in the negative zone. The Inhumans send some people into the negative zone to try to deal with it. They get killed too. It's bad news over there. And now we've got more of these. they got this priest guy who wants to release Annihilus. He's getting ready to launch an offensive at the Baxter building to open up the negative zone and to free Annihilus. Now, what's wrong with that picture? Hmm. Well, like the Gene Stealer cults in 40K, they are paving the way for the Tyranid invasion, where they will then get absorbed and eaten by the Tyranid invasion. I was going to say, we've got a human Ben, we've got Johnny Storm, and we've got a bunch of kids. Sue's off in Atlantis, Reed is on the other side of the galaxy. <laughs> human Ben, <laughs> a Johnny Storm, a room full of kids, and nothing to lose. Uh-huh. So we've got the setup for a lot of good comics. Mm -hmm. Yes, we do. The only thing I think I want to just mention, what we have to mention, is Ben and Johnny putting the kids to bed. And we have some questions that get asked about what's the moral of the story that Ben was talking about. And our boy Alex, because we yeah. are a power pack show, our boy Alex, I don't know if you're going to construct a killer android. Use something more adaptive and complex than ape DNA. <laughs> so there we go we have got yep. alex power in there talking you know with the kids he he lives there now he is in this book so we are covering this book because yep. alex power power pack yep. representing yep we had an, we had a alex power sighting and he talked we, he talked we, we are tracking we are tracking our power pack people you guys cannot say we are not doing our job we are doing our job i know you're all out there talking about us i can hear you all right let's go <laughs> ahead and talk about our final thoughts Let's talk about the Gallery of Greatness. Jeff, what piece of this book do we want pinned to our walls? I'm going to tell you a joke one. Okay? Yep, please do. Page nine. Mm -hmm. This is when Andromeda, Sue, and Namor are talking. It's the top panel on this page. Mm -hmm. Namor is facing out into the ocean. There's a big window right there. And I named this one, that's a big fish you got there, Namor. Because Namor's in there, <laughs> looking out at the water, and he's got his hands behind his back. It's all in shadow, and there's this big fish right there at crotch level. And, yeah, yeah. And it just it made me chuckle because I'm 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 twelve. I'm You're twelve. 12. <laughs> I'm twelve. Yep. yep. There's a there's a there's a shark in front of him. There's a hammerhead shark also in the screen. Some giant coral. It's, I don't it's care about it. I, I, yeah, there I are know. other you're fish looking, in that. There are other fish. Yeah. Really? I'm looking at the big fish <laughs> on Namor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's got BFE, big fish energy. <laughs> what do you got, man? On page three, it's the very first page you might encounter in the book on Marvel Unlimited. And it is a four panel scene that I call smug. I call that one awkward talk. <laughs> <laughs> 
This is Johnny driving Ben home from Alicia Masters' place. And Ben's looking looking out his passenger window. And Johnny's just got a nice smug look on his face, kind of looking over at Ben. Ben looks over at smug-faced Johnny. Ben goes back to looking out the window. And Johnny's smug face stays there. <laughs> then they see Galactus. And yeah. it's, you know, the... Mm. Yeah, it's the, an mm, awkward mm, it's just uh, awkward it's an awkward uh, nobody wants to talk about namer's fish that's what's going no. on here they don't want to talk about namer's fish so they okay. move on to the to these <laughs> to the little quiet banter back and forth the non-banter where when ben looks over at johnny johnny's like <laughs> mine was a scroll in his brain uh <laughs> it's just okay a okay yeah. <laughs> what is your top joke one because that was my top joke one what's your top joke one <laughs> My top joke one on page 22 of Marvel Unlimited, I call it Diplomacy! <laughs> and this is the center panel where where the abs of Abslantis is kicking a old Atlantean king and pulling his trident out of a different one. And uh, that's Atlantean diplomacy right now, is Namor yep. kicking a fool and shiving a dude. So, <laughs> Yeah, uh, that, that, that's the one that I yelled out. Yeah. We are Atlantis! Yeah. <laughs> yes! Is Sinky Town. My backup good art is on page 12. And this is at the beginning of the trip from heck out to space. <laughs> and Reed is chilling with Galactus in the cockpit. And he is just stretching all around Galactus. And it's just a little yep. shot. I call this one, you'll never be that big. <laughs> yeah, it, it's, it's just he's trying just, to fill his space. Yeah, he's trying to fill his space. It's very cool. It's almost needless but it kind of is like reed is looking everywhere kind of thing and i if i would be a glax like Dude, would you stop it yeah, knock it <laughs> off knock it off yeah look your passenger you don't need to fidget everywhere in the car no i, I thought it was a very cool picture though i mm, galactus mm-hmm. is just glowering there and reed is just stretching out and reed can look cool when he does that so yeah oh well you gotta show superpower stuff sometime and otherwise it's just reed sitting on like galactus's lap so Awkward. So you got to have him all stretchy out, kind of just like filling his space. It's a good looking piece of art. It's a good. What do you have uh, for your backup art? On page eight of Marvel Unlimited, it's the top panel, and I call it "Strange Skyline." It's a cityscape with a glowing, cloudy sky, and there's the Baxter Building, proud and center. And oh, what's that hovering next to it? It's a giant man with a funny hat. Oh, it's Galactus. Oh, Boise Howdy. It's, uh, I love it. You got a Galactus floating in a skyline. Oh yeah, I'm I'm down for that. I'm sold. Yeah, I I didn't really pick up on that one. That's a good good choice there. I like that. That's very nice. Very nice. There's some good art in this one. There's some there really is. good stuff. There is. There is. I I think that I do really think that Epting and Mounts they, they do a great job. Steve Epting and um, Paul Mounts their work together is just fabulous. Just fabulous. My top one. <laughs> Is the last page. <laughs> Imperious <laughs> Rex. It is. Uh, yeah. It is Namor standing after this double skewered fish man and just saying Imperious Rex. It is bloody. It is vicious. It is visceral. And it is just, you can feel the action and tension in it. It is chef's kiss beautiful. Throw that up it, on my wall any day of the week. It is glorious and great. I'm also excited for the next issue if we're going to cover into that. Oh, the reason this conference is going on and everything is because Sue wanted it, where this is the Atlantean way of dealing with things. We're just like, oh, yeah, he of course he's going to be in charge because he, he kicked that dude in the face and skewered a couple of guys. So, yeah, that oh, makes sense. Oh, I, I got to tell you, my friend, it gets weirder. It gets weirder. <laughs> I'm excited to see the weird. 
What is your top best art? My top best art is on page four of Marvel Unlimited. It is a big splash page, and I call it, looks like there's trouble at the Baxter building. Again. And again. <laughs> that would be a great addition. Looks like there's trouble at the Baxter building. Again. And this is... Down in the front center is a human Ben Grimm, and then there's a flaming streak of the human torch going up to the top of the Baxter building where there's a, hey, that's a pretty big man in a funny hat. There's Galactus with the sky glowing above him, you know, hand out holding Earth's fantastic family. It, oh, it's just glorious. It's just so pretty. Yeah. So great. I am a sucker for Dr. Doom doing stuff and Galactus doing stuff. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. All right. Jeff. Jeff, you and your family, you're all a bunch of weirdos. Hey, Ben Grimm calling me a bunch <laughs> of weirdos. It's not my bedtime. You're not my dad. I'm not tired. I'm never tired. That's yes, something yes, my yes. daughter rubber tells and, me. Rubber and glue moment. Best or most childish insults. That's my backup. Ben Grimm telling all the kids they're a bunch of weirdos. I like it. I like it. <laughs> I like that, too. I thought about it. I really did think about that. What's yours? Mine is just before Uncle Ben calling everybody a bunch of weirdos. And this is when all the kids are discussing the Mad Thinker's plans. And you get Bentley. Surprising, actually. I've met the Thinker before. Limited faculties. Horrible breath. Yep. <laughs> that was my top one. That was my Yay. top one. <laughs> what did you have on your your top one then, if that wasn't it? My top one for that is, again, it's on page, page three. It's the four panel thing or three panels of the four with Ben and Johnny in the car and just just the smug, just the <laughs> smug Johnny. Just because, you know, there's interplay there that's not being said, but you know it's being said. And okay. Ben like, I'm, you know, Johnny like... Eh, eh. And Ben like, no, I'm not, I'm not, no, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not engaging. Eh, eh. All right, I'll look over at you. Eh, eh. No, no, uh, 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 uh. look it away. <laughs> Let's go ahead and move to our Parent of the Year Award. Once again, this is very much up in the air. I like keep, since keep saying that because I'm going to go ahead and do my Parent of the Year Award, the mm -hmm. Reed Richards Award for Good Parenting, a good parenting moment. Mm. You know what a good parenting moment is? Telling kids a story that has a morality lesson built into it bravo about, ben Grimm. yeah it's all about getting punched in the face and then you're a bunch <laughs> of weirdos so why don't you get to bed before you get punched in the face i thought that was a very good moment for ben you know you're not only telling a story you're telling a story with a moral a purpose in it if you will <laughs> i love the fact at the end of his story too when the kids start talking he's just like screw it i give up you're right there's no moral just go to bed <laughs> He, he that tried. Is in fact, it's a great choice. He is, in fact, a parent because he gave up. And he's just like, <laughs> it is bedtime and whatever. You're right. I don't. Sure. Yeah. Whatever. Unicorns are blue. I don't. We're done. Was that your parenting moment then? Right? <laughs> no, it's not. But it is now. No, my actual parent, I'm going to go for a bad end. Okay. Hey, here's the surprise. It's not Reed Richards. No. Okay. No. It is the anti-priest. With the yeah. no entry sign uh, tattoo on his head. Because he's telling everybody, you're going to get to live forever. Spread the word. Go. Let everybody know. Oh, they're not going to get to live forever. They're going to be part of the annihilation wave. Ah, oh, that's terrible. What bad parenting. His bad sheep, parenting. his children, bad his parenting. flock. G bad, giving bad, bad. the children, giving your flock bad advice. I like yep. it. I like yep. it. Very nice. I like, yep. I like this category. We're, we're having fun with it. We're being a little mushy with it. It's great. It's very much whatever we want it to be, which is really great because there's no right nor wrong. It just is. <laughs> but it can be funny. <laughs> most popular and most shunned. Identify the character who was the best 
And the worst in this issue, Jeff. Namor. Namor as? Bad. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Creep. (laughs) I... I would tend to disagree because I think Namor was being his most Namor-ish. Oh, yeah. He's true to himself. He's true to himself. But the thing is, is that I don't necessarily consider it bad. I mean, this is what I would expect from Namor. This is... (laughs) I have people in front of me that are challenging me. Oh, heck no. I'm putting my foot down. But I can see where you're coming from. I can see where you're coming from. Killing people is bad. Killing people is bad. I'm on the... I'm on record of saying that. I'm sorry. I'm just laughing about people that are challenging me. Oh, yeah. This is Namor's version of it. It's like, people, they're probably challenging me. Stab. I'm going to stay in the same general room there, though. And I'm going to go ahead and say my worst is Sue. Ooh, interesting. Did she really? Did she really expect Namor to behave? She was my best. And she had hope. She hoped. She (laughs) exhibits hope. She is... The Wonder Woman of the Marvel Universe, where she, her name means hope. That's right, right? That's a, that's sure, a DC sure. hope reference is Wonder Woman. No. She sees the best in people. She sees hope. She sees the silver lining of the cloud. She sees the break of day. She is the dawn of the third day for the Rohan. Okay. She, so, ah, positive. Yeah. So, so you were glass half full with her. I am very much yes. glass half empty. I'm like, oh man, that, that, that all the things you just said. Yeah, you were wrong. You were wrong, mm. girl. You need to you need to take the gauze away from your eyes and wake up to the reality that this is Namor. Okay. So. As Namor was Namor, Sue was Sue. <laughs> okay. And which is why I gave them the rankings at the spots that I did. Worst and best. Who's your best? Johnny. Hey. Because kept his mouth shut in panel three. <laughs> exactly. He continued <laughs> to be a good friend, and when there was an opportunity for him to go up and fight, he held back. He said, mm-hmm. whoa, they're horsies. I am not going to be what I usually am. I am going to go in and show that I'm ready, but I'm going to check in with Reed and see what's going on. No, oh, excellent choice. Excellent choice. I also like the fact he checked in and also he's just like, should I be as scared as I am right now because I'm pants filling mm-hmm. capacity? And then, uh, oh, we're going to find out. He found out about his dead body. Okay, so double pants capacity. Okay, yeah. super scared. <laughs> so... Yeah. Johnny, great choice. Excellent choice. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Let's go ahead and rank this bad boy on our ever-growing list of books that feature Power Pack. Number one is still Uncanny X-Men, number 205. Going down the list to number 10, we have Fantastic Four, number 574, Franklin's Birthday. Going down spot 20, we have War of Kings, Darkhawk, number 2. That's where Chris is offered a personal trainer, then goes to space. And our bottom of our list is Loners number three, What Lies Beneath. This is a good little issue. This is a really good little issue. It mm-hmm. is a great issue. I'm sorry, I like the way you described. He gets a personal trainer and goes off into space. It's like, <laughs> yeah, he pelotoned into tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> issue before this, congratulations, Mr. Grimm. You're handsome again. That is at spot number four right now. Better or worse than than that oh man ah that is a toughie that was neat because that is ben Grimm's best day it is ben Grimm's best day and oh kind of sort of think i like this a little bit better than that i hate to say it but i do too i yeah i really liked that issue but this one moves all the pieces forward this yes this puts them all on different boards even okay above that we've got Runaways Volume 2, Double Twist as the kids defeat Doom and find Ultron. And then above that, we've got Runaways 
Number three, this is the superhero fighting with Excelsior failing big time. I'm actually thinking it might go between those two. I think this might be the new number three. I am agreeing with you. Because I think that Runaway one is still a little bit better. That's Mm -hmm. a good one. That's a good one. It's got some good stuff going in it. This is a good book. This is a good issue. The art is good. The story's good. Alex is good. Everything in it is really pretty great. Yeah. Did you say Alex is good? Yeah. He's good. (laughs) He's got one good comment. (laughs) Here's the deal, man. I got to point out the power pack when I can. Nope. We need to. We need to. I've been thinking about the same thing. I've been thinking about the same thing. Got to point the power pack. (laughs) Speaking of really making things shoehorn fitting into something, let's talk about peanut butter chocolate milk stout. The beer that somehow fits in with this comic. Oh, super fits in because of reasons. We don't need to discuss them. We've already done that, obviously. We already know. You all know. It fits in. It ties in so perfectly. And we'd be fools to discuss why at this point, because we already know how well it fits in. I like it. It's a good beer. I like it, too. I'm super glad it's here. I think that this is a good... I'm going to give this one a good four. I like this one a lot. And unfortunately, for good or ill... This is one of my favorite type of stouts. I love peanut butter chocolate stouts. And I've had a lot of them. And I know which ones are fives. And I know which ones are four and a halves. This one's a four. This is a good stout. It's just I have had some better ones. And I know exactly where this place gets placed in my head cannon. Okay, so a four for you. I am super enjoying this. For people that are worried about the stout connotations of this where because a lot of people and i used to be one of them where it's like oh my goodness a stout it's a lot to take in it is heavy it has a complex flavor profile to it it is a abrupt in your face strong challenging thing to go for this is candy this is so smooth it goes down super easy it smells great it tastes great the entire profile of it has not changed it does not make your mouth bitter. It makes nothing. It is a glass of chocolate milk that's a little bubbly and alcoholy. This is a super strong 4-5 for me. I'm loving okay. this. All right. That is what we have. Mm-hmm. And what else we have is kids' perspective. And that's where Rick talks to his 11-year-old daughter, Carrie, about the book that we just covered. So, Rick and Carrie, take it away! Hello, Carrie. Hello, Daddy. How are you today? Good, and you? Doing pretty good. Doing pretty good. Just lazy Sunday, talking with my daughter about a comic book. Love it. Mm-hmm. So tell me about this Fantastic Four issue. What did you gather from reading this issue? What I'm guessing is that Galactus dies in the future, and the surfer found out about this and he told Galactus now and Galactus went to Earth and um, was like, Reed Richards, please explain. And then, and so Reed Richards goes with Galactus to, to another planet. So that means Johnny and the thing... Wait, I sh- I'm just going to call him Ben. Yep. And Ben have to, like, watch over the kids and stuff. Well, where's Sue at? She's underwater with Namor and stuff. She's acting as a diplomat between Namor and these other kings of Atlantis, right? Yeah. How's that going for her? Not really the greatest. That one lady, the blue head Andromeda. And she's not too pleased with Sue's idea. And then Namor kills 
the other people. Well, he kills one of the kings, right? Yeah, which is not really great for diplomacy. Well, it's Namor's way of being diplomatic. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think of Namor? He's interesting. I mean, he's kind of nice. He's nice to the people who are nice to him. Well, yeah. I guess. Because he's a king and he wants people to respect him. Yeah. <laughs> he's a little bit, like, he's really leaning on Susan's side. Yeah. He really likes Sue and he wants her respect. But at the same time, he is the king of all the sea. Does he have a crush on her? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He always has had a crush on her. Because I'm noticing some sort of interaction. Yep. And I'm like, he's really, he's really... <laughs> yes, he has always had a crush on Sue. And then she married Reed Richards. That has not stopped him having a crush on her. <laughs> it did it did put a little bit of a, a clog in the his I bet his like whole idea of like, I don't know, marrying. Not really. Not really. <laughs> That's never stopped him. <laughs> it really never stopped him. Nope. He's just like, I don't care, I love this woman, whatever I want. Reed and mostly everybody else in the world is beneath his is beneath him. He has contempt for all the people in the world. Mm, yeah, okay. What did you think about the stories overall? Are you following what's going on so far? Yeah, I mean, Reed leaves, mm -hmm. Susan's leaving, Ben and Johnny are watching over the kids. And what else is kind of happening in the background? Somebody's planning something, right? Minus forehead? Yeah, minus forehead. Minus forehead looks weird. Yeah, and what are they planning on attacking? They're planning on attacking the Baxter building. Which is where Johnny and Ben and all the kids yeah. are. Yeah. Yeah. So not really the best time because now they have Fantastic Two. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, no, 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 no. They actually have more because of all the kids. But the kids are just smart and they're like, oh, do this. But what are they going to do to defend themselves? Well, we're going to have to find out, aren't we? Are you kind of excited about what's going to be happening here? Is this book starting to become a lot more interesting for you? Yeah. Okay, so that's good, right? Uh-huh. You're not as confused anymore, right? Yeah. Which is good, which is good. I like knowing things. What do you think about the artwork in this book? Oh, yeah, I like it. Anything really strike out at you or anything that you really enjoyed? I really like space views. Like, space is so pretty. That's cool. A lot of people have different things that they enjoy, and you like the space views. That's cool. I like that. All right. And underwater views. Yeah. Those are, can be very difficult to do, but when they're done right, they look very pretty, don't they? Yeah, I like the little rocks and fish. Uh, anything else really stick out at you about this book or anything? I'm wondering if this Andromeda... I'm starting to wonder if she's, like, getting jealous or something. <laughs> well, she's always jealous, but I, I don't think we need to worry too much about her. I think there's enough other things going on right now. <laughs> okay. <laughs> all right. Well, that's all I will ask you about this one. I appreciate your time. Thank you very much. And I hope you have a great day. Okay. Thank you. I love you. Bye. Bye. Love you too. I'm going to be honest. I don't know where you took that or what you talked about, but I'm sure it was delightful. Thank you, Carrie. Shadow time. We like to recognize those listeners that take the time to write in or leave us a review. And this is for episode 118, where we covered Fantastic Four, 579, The Future Foundation. Al Sedano and Resurrections, an Adam Warlock and Thanos podcast. Charles Gears. Clinton Robeson and his podcasts, Fan Film Fridays, and Coffee and Comics. Colin Stapleton and the worst comic podcast ever. 
Hoover, Jeremiah, and the Four Million Years Later podcast. Leslie Chartier. Malloween Life. Matthew Birdsey. Ranger Gord. Sean and the Never-Ending Reading Pile podcast. Tim Price, the Podcrasher, and the Outcasters podcast. Waffles, and the podcast Waffles and Mites Talk About Things. Hey, we've been on that a couple of times. Yes, we have. Yes, we have. We also like to thank those people that throw us a dime and tell us that we're doing a good job. We would like any money that you want to throw at us. It helps us keep doing the show. It helps us keep buying beers like peanut butter chocolate stout. And that includes adorably astonishing and amazing Andrew Burns. Cheerfully cheeky and charming Char Logan. Challenging cheesy and chuckling Charles Gears. Destructive and devastatingly delightful Damian Witter. Dynamically dangerous and devious Doug Jones. Exciting, energetic, and entertaining Edward Ferrochi. Intelligent, interesting, and innovative Isaac Perry. Jesting, joking, and jovial Jeff Polier. Just jealous and jeweled Jeremy Daw. Muscly, mighty, and meticulous Matthew Birdsey. Mythical and magnificently monologuing Matthew Laserwitz. Rudely rhyming and running Rustin Fritcher. Steely, salty, and steamy Sailor Bear Zodar. Sad and sickeningly silly Shag Matthews. Strange and stirringly steady Stephen Gray. Tyrannically terrifying and tame Tim Price. Technically terrific and triumphant Toddy Knock. <laughs> way, way wordy and wobbly waffles. Weird and wonderfully wacky win. Next issue, we are going to cover Fantastic Four, Volume 1, number 586. Huh, that's the one right after the one we covered, and it's called World Eater. Be sure to check out the other shows that we are on, like my wonderful monthly Monday movie muckabout on the Logbox Crusade Network. And we have some merchandise available on Redbubble. Go to redbubble.com and search for Unpacking the Power of Power Pack. Jeffermer presents as a bi-weekly self-produced podcast recorded in a live studio audience of my fidget spinner in Portland, Oregon. If you'd like to interact with us through the magic of the internet, you can do so through Twitter at Jeffermer present our Facebook page, Jeffermer present our email address, Jeffermer present all one word at gmail.com or our website, Jeffermer present dot wordpress.com. Also, our YouTube channel is at Jeff and Rick present. And if you would like to help support our show, we are on Patreon. You can find us at patreon.com, Jeff and Rick present, all one word. We are also a proud supporter of the Hero Initiative, and we will be donating 10% of our Patreon donations to this great cause. We encourage everyone to give what they can to this worthwhile organization that helps the creators who provide us with such great content. Go to heroinitiative.org to find out more. Please rate and review us wherever you can. Tell your friends about us and share your love with us on social media. And as always, we want to thank the powerful people in our packs. My wife, Cindy, and our daughter, Carrie. My fiance, Hillary, and our daughter, Aurora. We, we love, love you. you. Until next time. Costumes, costumes off. off. Our theme music is 80s action by Kevin McLeod. Also featured in this episode is Robot Rebellion by Winnie the Moog. All music is found at GopTech.com and is licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 4.0 license. So the Silver Spur. <laughs> so the Silver Surfer gives space the stellar stare and sightlines the supreme siphon... Siphoners. Siphoners. <laughs> the Lost Underworld Legion and Namor. The not-so-calmest guy in the room. Underwater, not underworld. <laughs> they will all three be represented while Atlantis... <laughs> oh, <clears throat> <clears throat>
Yeah, it's in my nose. <clears throat> it's going to affect me for the rest of the night. I'll power through it because it was very chocolatey. Okay. Sue and Nemor. Nemor. Actually, do, do the, just do the okay. Diplomacy. 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 